Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speak Brave Podcast. I am excited because we're coming to the end of 2019, and I hope your 2019 was eventful, that was filled with growth and excellent adventures. So today, as we record this at the end of November, I'm looking at 2020, and I have a special guest in the studio, of course, and I will introduce him in just a second, but I want you to listen in, open your hearts, open your minds, and go on this journey with us of of being brave, courageous, and moving on with your life. So today, I have a special guest. His name is Roderick Henderson. Roderick is the founder of Innovative Academy. And before I tell you what they do, I'd rather him tell us what Innovative Academy does and also part of his journey. So please help me welcome Roderick. Mark, thank you for having me. Um, the Innovative Academy is a nonprofit organization that works with that works to improve research and development and education, economics, and the social status of people at disadvantages so that they can practice self-sufficiency, well, financially. And so how do we do that? We do that why we work with students who have disabilities and we help them transition into the workforce. Um, one of our biggest projects that we're working on right now is trading in the stock market to help people disabilities have wages to go into the fields of that they would like to go into and versus just working anywhere any job most of it is just creating the entrepreneurial spirit for people who normally wouldn't do okay. it for themselves so is that the people who are somehow or through the through the fate have found themselves at the periphery of the marketplace yeah so a lot of people don't ever participate in the stock market. Um, some of us have fears, even people who don't have disabilities have fears that they don't have enough money or um, the stock market isn't for them. But from my understanding, the stock market was built off the back of, of slaves and that's how it was started. And um, it's been taken advantage of by a lot of people who have the finances and things that in that order. But I think it's the lack of knowledge um, we suffer because we know not. And so I think it's just one of those things that we just have to take the time to go and try to understand, but also to break down for people who don't understand as well. And you see companies like Acorn that's out there. They're trying to do good work for people and get people started so that they know this is the way that you really take advantage of your finances and you can take hold of your finances. For people who may not be familiar, what is Acorn? No. Just a high level. Um, so Acorn is a an application that trades stocks for individuals. They use your change after you make any purchase, and that change is invested for you. So they buy portions or partial stocks, and they invest that. They create a portfolio for people who don't have a portfolio. Okay. So it's automatic. Yes. It takes your participation to make decisions out of the equation? Yes. So it's a, you pick your style at which you want to trade. And um, so you may be a more aggressive um, or you may be more conservative, um, but it's just, it depends on your style, but at least you're actually doing something and not 
participating. Like so, like most people don't participate. So, so essentially, this Acorn, the app, solves the problem of people procrastinating, avoiding the participation in the market because of lack of knowledge. Correct. And so, it essentially takes someone out of the equation, out of their own way, so they can participate at a risk level that is acceptable to their overall financial situation. Correct. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, good. So I <laughs> just want to make sure that we're <laughs> explaining the glossary, right? Right. So can you talk more about the work that you do uh, with your community and where your role is and how did you choose to do this work? Right. So I guess to start, I'll, I'll talk about, well, I'll talk about what we do right now. So we work with people who have disabilities. So our job is to develop um, programs and do research on these individuals and put them in the best position possible so that they can be successful. Um, what does that look like yeah. in the terms? And success is as far as when it comes to work life. I think work life, you have to have a lot of us take it for granted because we have go ambitious goals and things like that. But these individuals that we work with who have autism, who have mental retardation, um, may have never even thought about the opportunity, but they want to be at that norm level. And so these are individuals that participate in our society. They, they draw from our society. Our tax dollars is going to these individuals. And, but they necessarily didn't choose this lifestyle. So they want to actually participate. They want to actually be involved. They want to actually have a place in society that they're contributing. And so what we do is we give them that opportunity. We develop that opportunity. We go into businesses and we talk to these business owners to show them what benefits that they have that the government is offering to them um, we, so that we can create a position inside of this company so that they can be able to work with people who have disabilities so that we're not no longer saying, oh, we just work with people with disabilities. I think all, the whole business community needs to be working with people with disabilities. So that's, that's what a portion of what we do. And so the biggest project that I was telling you about earlier is how do you get business owners to engage with people who have disabilities to their advantage? And so I'm lucky to be enough like to work out a catapult where I'm around a bunch of entrepreneurs. And I feel like we're building the business community for the future. And so in my community, I, I let I create internships. I create internships for the entrepreneurs so that they have an opportunity to work with people who have disabilities, like firsthand at the beginning level of their business being created so that once they become successful later on throughout the years, they remember that experience that they had with someone that came in their business early who helped out, and they can be able to start thinking and creating positions early in their business to be sustaining for years to come, so. To help us see it and really understand it, would you mind sharing an example? You don't have to tell names. Gotcha. You don't have to tell company names. Just tell where the person was or what kind of match you made or what kind of arrangement you made. So we understand. Gotcha. So. One of my biggest cases is, and I call them cases, but they're clients. Um, we had a girl who had autism, and 
we placed her into a company, like a bakery. Um, she really wanted to cook. She really wanted to be a chef. That was her life goal, dream goal. And so if you, I don't know if you've ever worked with people who had autism, they're socially, they're not, they're like awkward, socially awkward. Um, but when it comes down to like understanding procedures and if it's a repetitive task, they're the best people for it. That's why you see a lot of people who have autism going into tech. But in this particular case, um, we placed her inside of this bakery where she was, she had the opportunity to learn to measure out um, different ingredients for the baker so that they can be able to end the production. Um, she didn't do too well. And that happens, you know, because it's just like anybody else with life. You have a goal, you think that you're, this is what you're going to do, and you go and try it, and it just doesn't work out. So she, she actually she failed horribly the first two weeks. She just was not getting it. So our job was to go in. We say, okay, this is what she's not understanding. We created, we recorded pretty much the procedures that this bakery wanted us to do. And then we went back over it and educated her through the process. So we developed his process into video, but also broke it down so that this individual will be able to understand it and can go back into it and see, okay, this is how I'm supposed to do my job. This is what they want from me. So that they can practice when they're not there because we all... Nine to five, you clock in, but you're still thinking about work when you leave work. Um, the good ones, I'm say anyone that's good at their job is still thinking about work when they leave work. So it's that's their opportunity to think about work when they leave work. So that's how we kind of bridge it. Um, eventually, she came back. She realized that that's not what she wanted to do. Um, so, But she moved into a different position in the company where she has been successful. So, And that, that business owner was like, pretty much he was like one of the coolest business owners i've worked with so um yeah so that that's how basically we do our job and how did i come into this um it was a while back i've been doing this about six years now and so the i got started because i was actually going to school for pharmacy and i thought i was going to be a pharmacist i worked at walgreens i was like on my route to be in the corporate America and I just didn't like like pharmacy anymore um I worked at Walgreens I hated it and it was like okay cool but I was going to continue going on this path that I hated um because I had kids and I felt like I needed to make this transition because I wanted to be financially stable um, but I've always dreamed of being an entrepreneur. So I've been doing business like since I was a little kid from my first trade with one of my friends were trading toys and moving up to selling CDs. And, um, when the iPad came up, we're putting digital sales work for, um, in torrents and all that stuff like that. But we don't do any more of that cause that's illegal. Um, but, <laughs> um, it's always all that. I feel like everything has been a lead up to where I'm at today. And so um, my youth pastor, which got me out of, I dropped out of college. Um, I actually had a panic attack at my 
pharmacy interview to go into pharmacy school at FAMU. And can you tell us more about it? That what what drove what that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so like a couple months beforehand, my youth pastor who I grew up with, he he was having he was creating a sermon, and he was like, some of our community leaders have gone astray, and where I'm from. He said they've, they've gone into pharmacy and they've gone into things like that. And where I'm from, I'm the only person in the church going to school for pharmacy. So I know he's talking directly to me. And for the months it's been on me. But the biggest thing is he passed away shortly after that sermon. And it stuck with me because that's one of the – I grew up with him. That's, my la- that's the last sermon that I've got from him. And so when I went to this interview, that was on my mind. You know, it was like – do I really want to do this? Is this something that, like, yeah, I can make a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, but I also know money isn't everything. It it helps, but it's not. You still have to be happy with what you're doing when you wake up every day. So, um, long story short, I had a panic attack. I was in Tallahassee. I was like, okay, I'm coming back home. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna figure it out. I continued working at Walgreens for a second. And I transitioned where I was a tutor at HCC. What is HCC? HCC, I'm sorry. Um, Hillsborough Community College. Um, actually, I was, a Hill, I was a tutor at Hillsborough Community College all throughout my college career. So it was like, okay, cool. I can go work here. And that gave me the opportunity to start really building on the entrepreneurship. Because like, I have a lot of – when students are in, I had a lot of free time to – research and go and develop and so I ended up finding a mentor one of my mentors he was like Rod I think this might be something that you could be interested in and he's a he's a vocational trainer himself and so I worked for him for two years and the crazy thing is though when I first started um they told me I wasn't gonna make it I was like I don't think you cut out for this for for employment specialists so okay. what we do, the title for what we do is we're called an employment specialist. For Innovative Academy. Yes, sir. Okay. And but my mentor is like, I don't think you're going to work out for this. And that's – I love challenges. So I'm a competitor. I grew up playing basketball. Um, I played sports since I was five. And so when someone really tells me I can't do something, that's like, okay, we'll see. Um <laughs> So I studied. I, I was, like, heavy, and I, I started paying attention to what's going on around me. And um, he ended up – his company actually didn't do too well. I left his company, and I started the Innovative Academy. Mm-hmm. And so that led me to where I'm at today. And so now we're actually pretty successful. I've helped over 150 students, um, some getting jobs, some just with education. And we've, I've been able to give back – to my community. I'm from a small town called Plant City, in Plant City, Plant City, Florida, um, strawberry, winter strawberry capital of the world. And I was able to give back $50,000 to my community. And, and that, I don't, you don't, you don't hear or see any of that. And we didn't get publicized or anything like that. Cause that's not what we do it for, but the opportunity that God gave me to be able to give that back to my to my community and know I, I was like that was all that right there was like a bigger trophy than anything that was my degree I should say and so that let me know that okay you're doing the right thing you're on the right path just keep going and 
keep trusting that God will keep leading you through this and he'll take care of everything. And so, and that's what, that's one of the biggest things I learned with being an entrepreneur. Like you can't worry whatsoever. Like it's okay to be cautious, but trust and believe that things will work out. And that's actually our company values, Fitch, faith, integrity, care, hard work. And so. Can you say it one more time, a little slower? Fitch, it's an acronym, Mm -hmm. Fitch, Mm F-I-C-H, faith, integrity, care, hard work. Faith, integrity, care, hard work. Do you mind talking about the word integrity? Yes, sir. Why is that important? So I've told you companies that I worked with have failed beforehand. Um, That mainly is because the integrity inside of the company. You have to, I feel like you have to do right by people. And not just when everyone's looking at you, but that has to be consistent throughout the process or throughout your overall thinking of helping people, period. You have to not just help people just for your own benefit, but because it's the right thing to do. Or it's because like you see some like you see someone hungry on the street, you don't have to go get a plate and then take a picture for Instagram and things like that. That's to me that's like a, a lack of integrity. Are you you I I don't know, it's just I I think that's just how I was raised in a way. But because I've seen companies that did really well the year before, but because they didn't really care for the people, they just cared about generating capital, it they they failed. And so I've took caution. I, those are one of those cautions that I see as like, okay, you can't just be here to make money. You have to be here for the people. And my grandfather taught me that before he died. He was like, if you're not helping people, what are you doing? So it's like, okay, cool. And that's just one of the things that's always stuck with me, integrity. So we, we took, throughout our whole process with, from our phone calls, um, our monthly, weekly phone calls, to even developing the plans for individuals. Like, it has to be like, okay, is this in the best interest of my client? And if it's not, then you have to be willing to sacrifice and say okay hey this is not going to work um we need to step back into the lab and figure something out and so and and it requires you to do more work but that's why hard work is attached onto that too so it's not the lazy way out no right it's it's um so could you i i think this is goal right faith integrity care and hard work i get that what I also like to ask you, uh, Roderick, is could you talk about some of the st- the sting of failure? That when you taste failure and you think, "Gosh, this is just too overwhelming," can you take us to that moment and 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 share some of the results that you have uh, you can share with right. the audience who are entrepreneurs and are driven to learn more? I think. Being on the nonprofit sector and in my industry, people, there's multiple people who do what I do um, or who work in the same industry as me. And so a lot of times we don't share 
information with each other because we feel like we're in competition with each other. And the toughest thing that, for me, being 25 and starting a company and um, trying to conquer the world in a way and help the world as best as my possible and try to be the best that I wanted to be, I always felt like I was in competition with other people. And so that that has driven relationships that I've had with individuals. Like I think I've really I feel like I've lost like I lost my best friend because of a business deal. And that's not it's not the greatest feeling in the world. Um and you know people always say, yeah, it's business, but it's tough like you have to that's when I see when I see failure, I feel like we've allowed business to overtake relationships. And business is relationships, period. So it um that that didn't sit well with me. And so um that actually was one of one of those things that drove it it was kinda tough. You know, battle, like managing a company, you have employees and stuff like that. And when you have the person that you've been growing up with for since you were in diapers and you guys can't do business together, that's like super tough because we're in, we feel as if we're in competition. And I don't know if that's just some things that average 25-year-old males go through or 23 while you're young and you're still trying to learn business, but that's that's one of the worst things that I felt like I've had. Um, and so, I, I mean, I've grown from that. I learned from every single situation, and so it I have hired friends still. Um, one of my friends, we make sure, but it's about we keep it business. We let them know that, okay, this is business. You have to understand this is business. And then but it's still a compassion with it teaches me compassion to my other employees who I don't know who I don't have a a long relationship with and who I've just met and so I've learned that being in a position of leadership you have to have empathy with others and other people what they're going through because they're not always going to attack the business the way you're going to attack the business and so they're not always going to put that much effort as you would like to, because I was working 18-hour days and not really sleeping. And I have two kids, and so that's, like, huge. And I can't expect that from everyone else, you know, because everyone has a life outside of this, and this is what I've chosen to be my life. And so I think other people will come to those decisions later. But, you know, as the leader of the Innovative Academy, the founder, the president, um, I have to accept that and push as push myself as well as my individuals but not to the point to where it breaks you know Roderick I I have this follow-up question we talk about empathy a lot uh, in coaching business in every industry I feel like in the United States can you tell us tell me please your most, what, what is your definition of empathy? I think it's caring about the individual. Like it's not, sometimes it's putting yourself in, in other situations and seeing like, okay, 
dang, this is some someone's going through this. Like, and cool. I'm thank God I'm not going through this, but how, Lord, how can I help? And if I can help anyway. And so it's just actually trying to see if what this other person is going through. And, you know, that's just one of those things that we're like, okay, we, we deal with every day. And it working with people who have disabilities, it's like it put that, that every day is a blessing, you know, because you don't know in seeing other people's situation, you just like, man, it makes you appreciate life and appreciate. So as a follow up to this question, have you experienced or felt empathy fatigue when there's too much, when you take on too much and and you don't recharge yourself? Absolutely. What how have you dealt with it? So I mean the toughest thing is balance and understanding. Like I told you before, I worked eighteen hour days. And so for someone that's crazy unbalanced. And, but in my, in my field, I've had to, as one individual, work with 30 different people to make sure that they were okay. And that's an excessive amount of people in your life. That's because we're working with people. So people are putting their problems on you and it's draining. It's, it's really emotionally draining and you want to help, but I also learned that if you're not taking care of yourself and if you're not helping yourself, you won't be any help to any anybody else. And so what that consists of is I only work six days out the week. Um, I make sure I take a day of rest. Um, the reason being is because I was like I was working seven days a week. I was working more than God worked to build earth in the heavens and things like that so I was like if God only works six days then I can't outwork God so let me just work six days out the week and trust that everything will be okay and that's what's one of those other things too you learn that being young you like oh man you want it want it want it but as you get older you learn that okay time is on your side a little bit you're still young so you can manage it and you can you know you just time management um and then taking breaks, taking, like, before I didn't take any vacations. Um, I just felt like I had to go to work, had to go to work. One, I couldn't afford a vacation. But um, now it's like, okay, I take, I make sure I take a week off where I focus on nothing to do with the company, but just, like, me as a person, as a whole, like, okay, right, Rod, recharge, um, and then I go back, and it gives me, it freshens my mind to think about these issues and these problems that these other people have and how I can attack it and how I can go about it. And so I think that that's one of those things that you have to do, especially in social work and, like, in the nonprofit sector. You have to do that. I think, I think non people, I don't, know if, I don't know if you know if it's true, but I feel like social workers die faster than a lot of other people industries because they, the stress level that they have to deal with with taking care of people is like huge but you have those social workers who don't care you. so um but it, it comes with a balance and you know but you like i get to enjoy my kids on saturdays and so 
I'm working with them. And then I look at like helping them with homework when I'm done from work. I cut off work at seven o'clock, you know? So it's like, boom, my phone's off. I'm not worried about the Innovative Academy. I am Roderick Henderson dad. Um, let's make sure Julius and Juliana is taken care of and um, doing what they're supposed to do. And then, you know, as work-wise, because I feel like I'm teaching them how to work too, because they got their schoolwork and then um, I can attack my work after the fact and I can actually rest and go to sleep and then wake up at a good enough time to go and attack the day and then actually take a rest on Saturdays to where I'm just not doing anything. It's mostly just a fellowship with people outside of work and my family and just that. Thank you for sharing this. Hey. Um, we're coming to the close of this interview. Thank you, Mark. There's a couple things I want to ask you. Roderick, future for Innovative Academy. How do you see it? The future of the Innovative Academy, we're going to do something totally different than no one's doing in our industry. Um, we're going to be trading to help with the wages of individuals. When you say trading, can you explain? Yes, sir. So for this past year, we've developed a system when it comes to trading options with individuals. Um, we did 1,300% from our principal. Um, what that does, it allows us to leverage our capital that we have to generate more capital to be used for individuals wages so that they can go into the careers that they want to right. so i do want to make sure that we are not in the business of financial advice no. we are not giving investment advice of any kind uh to anyone uh in this conversation absolutely correct i haven't even stated anything so yeah right. um yeah i'm not a financial advisor or anything like that but i I have studied markets for over 10 years, and um, I've been lucky enough to be around great economists that I feel like in the future they're going to do great things. They're already doing great things, and um, I take like an Andrew Carnegie type to way of things where I surround myself with people who are pretty good at what they do and try to learn from them as much as possible because I am a college dropout, so I feel like I learn every day. I try to at least, and so, um, but back to like the Innovative Academy, um, I think this right here would allow nonprofits. We're, we're creating a new way for nonprofits to be able to be self-sustaining, and that's huge from where I'm from because normally in the Black community they're just focused on donations that come from these bigger organizations that pretty much dictate what they do and what they can and cannot do on the political level. So I think financial freedom is a way to push your will upon the earth and what you want. So Share. Yes. Share. Thank you. And uh, I will, in the show notes, have links to your social links to your website that people can contact you directly for, for collaboration. For sure. So what is the best way that my audience and people who uh, consume this podcast can reach out to you? And what is the best way to work with you and help you build your vision? I think the best way to communicate with me is probably via email. 
um, Roderick Henderson, R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K, at InnovativeAcademyFL.com. Um, that is I-N-N-O-V-A-T-I-V-E, Academy, A-C-A-D-E-M-Y-F-L.com. Um, also, our website is InnovativeAcademyFL.com. And the easiest way, like I said, is to just inquire, send me an email. I answer all my emails. If I don't answer it in um, 24 hours, it's something's something's wrong with me. But if it's a uh, intriguing interview, just send me an email and um, check out our website. And if you like it, leave a comment or a contact. We have a contact page on our website, and someone from the academy will reach out for sure. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and uh, opening up about your work and things that you're looking forward to. So I feel like we need to do a follow-up interview uh, in six months, nine months, just to see where you are and what kind of milestones you have achieved. So were you willing to come back? For sure. I I appreciate it. Well, thank you, everyone, who spent this time with us and consume this valuable content and story from Roderick. My wish for everyone who is listening that you find your courage, open up, dig deep, and live brave. Share this message with everyone you love and care about, and don't forget to speak brave. See you next time.